So Dalton, how we doing? Go district press coverage. This is one on one. Uh, I got my man Dalton Cates uh, in the street. This is your third time in the district. Uh, believe yeah, third time. Yeah, so we're ready to rock and roll, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, we're ready to rock, man. I'm even gonna skip the intro because we're we're uh we're crunch time here. Um, let's say you're drafting tonight. FFPC main event. You did quite well in the main event last year. Um, I'm hoping to see you out in Vegas again this year. But let's say you're drafting tonight and you get the 101 in FFPC main. Which which way are you going? So I, I actually said this on your show in March, and I said Christian McCaffrey. I'm sticking to yeah. it right now. So sticking with Christian McCaffrey 101. I think it's just like I mean, dude, you're playing for the upside, right? So 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 it's like I'm playing to win, and I know there's some concerns about his injuries and whatnot, but look. I mean, I'm playing for somebody who legitimately has league-winning upside, and we've seen Christian McCaffrey do that. Um, there's no other running back, I would say, outside of, you know, a couple guys, you know, maybe like Barkley or Swift that or Eckler who have that receiving upside. And, I mean, McCaffrey's just, like, next level in terms of full workhorse ability. So I think I think he's he's probably the clear 101, in my opinion, um, if I'm drafting there every single time. Yeah, so I, I actually had a 101 in an FFPC main event, and I, I went with McCaffrey. Yeah. Um, and I kind of went a little bit back and forth. Um, you know, I love Taylor, um, but I have, like, some slight reservations that, that he could – I mean, I don't think he's going to hurt you, but I could see him finishing, like, outside of the top two running back spots. Yeah. I mean, you're really not getting that bang for your buck. Do you have let's, – let's say, you're you, okay, you took McCaffrey – you're 102 on the on the on the board and McCaffrey is gone. Are you pushing somebody up or are you going with Jonathan Taylor? Um, so I think I think the reason why I would probably I mean, again, like I would love to diversify my shares ideally at that spot. So I really don't have a, a full preference. I think the reason why I would take Jonathan Taylor at that spot is because I really like the wide receivers I can get at the end of the or the, the two three. Um area and i think that's what would you know tend to have me go towards taylor where i can't really necessarily get the running backs you're kind of maybe hoping for like a javante williams there if you do want a running back or you're just kind of just like fully embracing zero rb at that point um if you do go jefferson or chase or cup there so i think gun to my head one draft i'm probably going taylor but like ugh, i don't like i don't feel amazing about it. it's just more like a it's structural a, isn't it yeah, exactly. More it's structural more, force. Yeah. It's more plan, plan for planning ahead type of thing. I also like I weird I weirdly think I wouldn't say weirdly, but like I also think that Kelsey's fully in the conversation at 102, to be honest. Um again. And I I, I took I had a 102 last year, and this is my main event team that did really well. I took Kelsey at 102 last year, and I don't see a reason why he should not be in the conversation there. So um, especially if you don't think like Pitts or Andrew, especially in a tight end premium, if, they, if they're not making it back to you at 211, like I fully can get behind like a Kelsey at 102 strategy, especially now with uh, Tyreek on like, who else are they going to go through? Like I was, I was watching uh, some of the preseason games and I know they have like a plethora of weapons there, but I'm genuinely concerned um, that like the target share is going to be like mainly centered towards Kelsey. And then the rest of the guys are kind of going to, get the rest of the pieces there. So I think Kelsey actually like might be in for a massive year. So I, I wouldn't rule him out at 102 either. So, yeah, it's funny. Kelsey, like I've seen some very, very sharp drafters take him like at the 106. Um, but I think he could see a career high in terms of total targets. I think yeah. he's hit 150 like once in his career, yeah. but I yeah. think he'd get north of 150. Um, you know, I was starting to get a little bit into the the Juju Smith Schuster. Um, you know, starting to, not necessarily a, a guy that I'm I'm hammering, but a guy that I would take at value. A little concerned about this knee injury. I'd like to know a little bit more of it. Um, where he's missing practice with with something with a knee. You never like to hear that. Um, but that's interesting with Kelsey. But I want to backtrack to you. You built this this kind of the ha hammer a hammer build um, where you take Taylor, you take McCaffrey at the one or the two. What, what do you think is the best structural way to build that into your advantage when you pick at that two three turn or at the you know the two eleven and the three oh two if you're picking from the two spot? Um, I think 
the most important thing is just like fading running back at that point. Like you're just, I would say just like, if I'm taking one of those guys, I'm probably not taking like, this might be extreme. Maybe take another running back until like double digit rounds. Like I'm really just fully focusing that like, yo, these are my, this is my guy, John and the Taylor, Christian McCaffrey. And I'm just relying on him to become that guy. And then I'm just like hammering wide receiver. I, I'm really like, I'm really hoping to get a tight end. I'm definitely probably going to take a tight end at the two, three turn. And that's why I would wait until probably like round nine, 10 to, to take that second running back is because I'm just going to be hammering receivers um, the rest of the way with guys that have interesting either second year breakout profiles or just guys that I know that I can rely on. So um, it just depends on the type of guys that I'm, I'm getting there. But I, ideally, if I'm taking one of those guys, I'm trying to get a pit. <laughs> at the end of the second, like in a non it happened. It happened last night where somebody yeah. got a McCaffrey Pitts team. Um, I think from the one Oh two. So you see it sometimes. Um, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, this is why I have you on Dalton. Cause you kind of confirmed my priors. I had a, I went five straight wide receivers after I took McCaffrey to try to build on that advantage. I think that's kind of the way to do it. Yeah. I think the one guy that would kind of flip the script um, is if for some reason, Javante fell, just yeah. because I think he's got that upside. Um, and then you could kind of, you know, kind of really even push running back even further. Um, but those are easy spots. The 106, 107, 108, those are tricky for a lot of people. You've mentioned Travis Kelsey in that range. Yeah. So maybe we can push it down to the 107. Yeah. Let's say that the the big five, I'm assuming that you you have the big three wide receivers and a, and a Kelsey inside of your top six. Yeah. Um, so 107, 108, what's your kind of preferred uh, preferred build when you start getting into those kind of tricky, tricky spots where you feel like it's flat, but you want to maximize it either way? Yeah, if I if I see myself get like the 107 or 108, I just like immediately go to the toilet, start throwing up a little bit, probably, you know, debate like leaving the draft because it, it's actually disgusting. Like I, I hate that spot because you're always taking the top of the tiers, and I think in both the first and the second round. And also like the third round, it's like, it's a weird area where like the, the tears kind of like drop off, like right in those areas. And like even the fourth round too, it's crazy. Like it's crazy how like throughout the first, second, third and fourth round, like there's legitimate chance in all in like that in each round, you're just like the, the person that you wanted at the end of the tier, it's taken like a pick or two before you. So um, it's just like an absolutely disgusting place to draft. But the, the way, the way I am, am, probably going to focus on it is if i'm at the 107 or 108 um i think there's two strategies one is i'm probably going to take like stefan Diggs. i think it's just a safe option just take take a wide receiver um and then just like hope for like i mean at this point saquon's not falling back to you but i mean maybe you get lucky and maybe there's i mean i don't even think a swift's making it back to you but like again does that then the conversation is am i taking javante then in the second round if he gets there um i'm definitely like prioritizing a tight end with one of those two picks um i think you can i legitimately think like this this might be a little bit extreme but i, I do think in ffpc you can start to consider andrews and Pitts at those spots um if you are worried about them not falling back to you because there's there's legitimate scenario where you're sitting at the 107 right and you <laughs> and you are like okay let me take digs with the idea of getting like andrews yo let's go i i love i yeah. love wheelers 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 calling you a young a young jimmy j so you know that's a that's a nice little compliment from wheeler great great ranker in, in uh in wheeler um you brought you brought up the uh you brought up the tight ends yeah i think that that's kind of dan williamson and i um, are splitting of football guys right now. We drew the 108. We actually pushed Barkley up. Um, and then we had the, the – Pitts is starting to leapfrog Andrews. Yeah. And I will get to Pitts uh, shortly. But I think people are kind of seeing the upside of a, of a Kyle Pitts. For sure. Um, we we passed on Mandrews to go with DeAndre Swift to get those those two running back starts. Yeah. So, But, again, it's like it kind of depended on – on who guys who guys are passing on um that's what i don't like about those spots um it's i'm happy tough. we got a swift i'm so happy we got a swift barkley start but again yeah. like i said to dan like we'd be happy getting that but there was no guarantee swift was coming back and it's i like kind of controlling my own destiny and i think you you have a little more control when you're in the, the top five it's extremely stressful because i feel like from like 107 almost to like mid second is just like one big tier so uh 
I, I in an ideal scenario, I'm probably, I, you mentioned Saquon and I think you can, especially now, like it's much more viable to take him in the first because you're not getting him in the second now. So um, I am actually like, okay with Saquon there. Like if I were to take a running back, it would be him. I would say like him or Diggs would probably be the pick. Um, but my main thing is I'm trying to focus on that tight end in that second round. And like, like it's just super stressful because there's a legitimate chance that Andrews and Pitts don't, don't get to you there. And like, if you're in that scenario, what do just is Waller now become a second rounder or is, is he even going to make it to your third pick? Um, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things where I think it just takes so much nuance. I think there's a lot of luck that comes into play when it comes to like picking in those spots too, because you need like almost like one of those guys in your tier to kind of like fall down a little bit. Um, but I like, think Waller will, I think Waller will be there in the third. Um, that's what ahead of ourselves. Like, yeah, Waller, I feel like Waller lost a little bit because he missed some training camp. It kind of made his price slightly more affordable. And again, you know how weird these last few weeks are like the ADPs, you know, bounce around hard for those drafts that happen very close to kickoff. So Waller's kind of an interesting one. We'll get to your tight end targets a little late, later. Um, how about if you get the 12 spot? Do yeah. you think that there's a maximizing your advantage um, with balance? Or do you maximize your advantage just by taking the two most dangerous players you can um, at the tail end of the first round? I think if I'm I'm back there, my ideal start is like Barkley and a tight end, like Barkley, Pitts, Barkley, Andrews. That, that, I mean, I'm literally walking in the draft, like Barkley, Andrews, whatever, because you know Diggs is probably not going to follow you. Um, Diggs, Devontae, maybe is there. Um, I think in a worst, I mean, if Eckler's there, he becomes interesting. I think you consider Swift there, um, but I'm not like super excited about it. I also think like. I, I just weirdly like don't like a lot of those picks at the turn. And I think to potentially this is extreme. This is also extreme. And I have no idea whether I'm actually going to implement this or not, but a strategy that's also playing in the back of my mind is uh double tight end um, hammering two tight ends at the spot. Like it, it's extremely crazy. It, it kind of puts you behind the eight ball in terms of, a lot of positions, but I think especially when it comes to pits is you can expect it. Like if, if we just take away the tight end eligibility pits and we just look at him as a wide receiver, like he's probably like going like late seconds. And now with the yeah. tight end premium, he becomes interesting. So it's like, okay, cool. You can flex him. And it, it creates such a unique build in which like, I don't think any, I mean, like, I don't think anybody's really going to draft either like, a pairing of Kelsey or Andrews or Kelsey or Pitts or Andrews Pitts. So I think it really diversifies yourself a lot in those ways, gives you a ton of upside if both those guys do stay healthy. And it just gives you a um, positional advantage over the rest of the league. Um, I, I would say like in a dire scenario where like Barkley's gone, Swift's gone, Diggs, Devontae are gone, like I think that's where like it becomes into play. I don't think you have to do it, but I think – yeah, I'm, 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 just, I'm just rambling a bit about, like, different different things that are going on in my mind when I'm at that spot. But I think, ideally, I'm just, like, locking in Barkley tight end. At, like, that's just, that's just ideal. Barkley tight end, bang. Um, I think a bully, a bully tight end um, might work. It just It's just about – so, like, the, the truly elite tight end in, like, a regular PPR league uh, take away the, the tight end premium is usually some finishing, like – between wide receiver six and wide receiver 12. Yeah. But I think that there's a chance this year, I think it's really setting up where there might be a, the top three really smash. Um, mm -hmm. Cause we feel great about Mandrews. We feel great about Pitts, and we feel very good about Kelsey. So I think that that strategy could work um, as long as there's like a clear, clear gap between yeah. like tight end three and tight end four. And I, I think you, you could have that. Um, Want to get to some some teammate positional um, ADP battles? Yeah. Last year we saw leagues one um, where players were completely mispriced compared to teammates. Yeah, an example would be Brandon Ayuk was going way ahead of Debo Samuel. Cooper Cup was going behind Robert Woods by a few spots, um, even in the sharpest formats. Um, you saw Jamar Chase going behind T. Higgins. Obviously, T. Higgins we love. I know that's one of your guys. But Jamar Chase was clearly the better pick at ADP. 
We saw it in the running back spot where we saw Leonard Fournette go behind Ronald Jones, outscored him. You saw Devin Singletary with Zach Moss, James Conner with Chase Edmonds. So we're seeing, despite the fact that we have more information than ever, we have a lot of sharp people putting a ton of money into this game in in the high-stakes streets, as well as really sharp analysts. We're still mispricing guys even on the the same team. Um, So I want to talk about a couple of teammate situations, kind of see where your head's at. First one is kind of they're very tight. So it's not like one where you're going to you know get the eighth rounder that outscores the third rounder. But Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are very close to one another in ADP um, in any high stakes format. Where are you at in that that situation? Um, are you out on both or is there one you like considerably more? Yeah, I wish I had um, a stronger opinion on this, but I'm just like pretty indifferent to both them in terms of preferring one versus the other. I think they're same tier. I think Mike Williams sneakily is a little more upside if he gets utilized in the roles. I mean, it, his season was just so, like, hot and cold and, like, how they utilize him. If they utilize him as a deep threat, like, I don't like him as much because he's not getting many targets. But if they utilize him more in that, like, you know, X role they used at the beginning of the season, like, he would be my preference. Um, but, again, like, I don't have – a true preference with either of those guys. I, I want exposure to them, but I'm also not overexposing myself. I'm preferring some other wide receivers in that range there. So they're not guys I'm necessarily like drafting. They're more so like if I'm at the end of the tier, like, you know, mid third round and one of them falls to me, like I'll, I'll, I'll definitely pull the trigger, but I have my preferences on other guys ahead of them right now. So we had uh Pat Corain on last night and um, I'm, I'm team Mike Williams. I think I'm just, yeah. He can do more with less. Um, mm-hmm. Allen, we need to keep a ton of targets. We're And, and in the chat, um, Wheeler is talking about Palmer, who's getting a lot of buzz. So if it is um, – if we do see a third wide receiver see targets, give me the, the guy with the most touchdown upside, and that's that's Mike Williams. Um, how about Denver? Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. Um, Sutton has jumped him. There, there's a clear gap here, um, but Judy's still being drafted in, in a, a range where people are pretty confident. Um, occasionally you see Sutton go in like the third. Um, I'd say most of the time come the big money drafts, I, I'd expect him to be there. And Jerry Judy, I think, will be a locked-in fifth rounder. Is this a situation where you want the more expensive player or are you going to sit around and, and wait for Judy? I, I just think Cortland Sutton's a better player. Um, everything out of camp has been trending towards Sutton. He's the second year of his ACL. I mean, it's it's so easy to forget how good Cortland Sutton was in his second year, and there were so much, so many high expectations for him. Tears ACL, and then last year wasn't that good. But like, we also have to take into account like players first year back from ACL, like kind of just want to like throw it away in that sense. I mean, he, he's I mean he he profiles. Like, I I do my research every year in terms of like rookie profiles and how guys you know do at the end of the rookie year and how they profile for their secure. I mean, he's up there like all the late wide receivers and he hasn't, he's been one of the few players that hasn't hit that mark yet in terms of being a wide receiver one. I think this is the year for him. Um, Judy is like, it's, he's like, he's such a wild card because I think there's so much like unknown when it comes to him. Uh, He looked like he was on his way to break out in like the first half of uh, eight eight targets in the first eight targets in the first half or something crazy. Right. And then, He looks like somebody that's that that commands targets, which is what you want. He was a highly regarded prospect coming out. Um, and, you know, dealing with the high ankle sprain, it, it, you almost have to, like, put it in the same boat. as like we know guys who get high ankle sprains. Like, they're, it, it almost, like, diminishes, like, their entire year. So, like, you almost want to, like, throw that away. Um, but I, I think I think overall in a vacuum, I think Cortland Sun's better. Um and I could see both of them smashing. I think I think Russell Wilson and Cortland Sutton's skill sets probably match up a little better um, for each other. So, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm still pref- even though like Sutton goes like a full round ahead of Judy. Like I'm still I still like him as a better value right now. Um, but I he's, I, he's the alpha. I mean, it, like he mm-hmm. he profiles as an alpha. If one of them is going to absolutely smash, um, I think it's I think it's Sutton. Um, but it sounds like you're kind of like I am where you prefer Sutton, but I think the fact that it's such a tight end by committee now um, and we don't really have a guy we love, 
it makes and the fact that Tim Patrick's gone, it kind of makes it where you can you can kind of picture a scenario where they're both getting a, a, a nice size target share. We've seen Russell Wilson support two wide receivers over the years, multiple years. I think this could be a year like that where, you know, and I think in an ideal scenario, you've got Sutton as like wide receiver 10 and Jerry Judy's like wide receiver 16. And you feel like you cashed on both of them. How about Jalen Waddle, um, who had 102 receptions last year, set the rookie record, uh, top 10 pick. Um, We love him in dynasty. And he's going now in, in a range where he's like in the early fourth, Tyreek Hill goes somewhere between late second um, and usually is gone by the 2-3 turn. I've seen him fall to like the 305, uh, 306 might be his low in a main. So the, he's going about around ahead of uh, Waddle, sometimes maybe 15 spots. Is there a player you like at ADP? Um, I like them both from a talent perspective. So... I'm probably going to be like average on the field in terms of exposure to both of them. Um, just because I believe in, I think they're both like really good players. So I think the questions in regard to two and everything, like at some point that doesn't matter, like good players are, are just going to be like good players. And I think I'm probably just going to prefer Waddle just because he's, he's cheaper and he was so good as a rookie. So it's like, okay, if he was that good as a rookie, like what is he going to do in a second year? And now he has an elite wide receiver alongside him to, to help, uh, take some coverage and some looks away from him. So like that should only help Waddle more. And I'm also curious to see like what happens if they use Waddle like more downfield, like, like that's part of his skill set, but they just utilized him as like, 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 like faster Deontay Johnson last year, which I think was a little frustrating, but also like it helped his production a ton too. So I think there's this slight unknown when it comes to Waddle, like this, this unlocked potential when it comes to him. Um, that does make him extremely intriguing heading into the second round. And I think people are downgrading Waddle too much just based on the fact that they got Tyree Kill when history actually shows having another good elite wide receiver alongside you actually helps you. So um, I like Waddle. I like Waddle. Like, like I, I don't think he should be a fourth-round pick. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I really like Waddle this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've actually – so I've taken um, Tyreek here and there. Yeah. But I've drafted a ton of Waddle. I'm kind of like where you're at. And I think what's interesting is is uh, when McDaniel talked about, you know, Tyree Kill and how good he is, he mentions about how much pressure he puts on the defense. And I think that that's kind of the appeal of Tyree Kill is he's he's able to just defeat a defense over the top and in so many ways that he draws so much attention from a defense. And I think that it might be, be a situation where maybe Tyreek is going to have his smash weeks, but it really elevates maybe a Jalen Waddle and maybe a Chase Edmonds um, because of the pressure that Tyreek's, uh, you know, really putting on the defense. So I'm intrigued. Um, I don't, I think if you're a high volume player, you want, you don't want to fade Tyreek Hill, but I think diving into Waddle as a cheaper option, I'm kind of with you on that. Um, two fun running back battles. Um, Aaron Jones who's going in the second round and AJ Dillon, who's starting to live in the mid to late fifth, occasionally get him in the sixth. We've had Aaron Rodgers mentioned that, that uh, them both as guys who can catch 50 passes was very clear about how they're both going to be involved in the passing game. Um, and then we've had the same thing with LaFleur talking about how he views them as a one, a one B. Do you have a preference at ADP? Yeah, I don't think I'm drafting either of them. I, I, I love Dylan, um, but he's now at a price point in which I'm just like drafting like my last wide receiver. So I, I do like Dylan at price point um, over Aaron Jones. I do think Aaron Jones like has a chance to have like a Camara like season, but I tend to fade some of the older running backs there. Um, also, like, there, I mean, Dylan is just like a really good running back. I mean, he's actually been utilized in the passing game more than we thought. Like, I don't think it's completely out of the question in which AJ Dylan is actually like getting more touches than Aaron Jones this year. Um, especially at the goal line too. Like we could see AJ Dylan kind of take those goal line touches away where Aaron Jones um, is kind of being utilized more as a receiver, which helps both of them out. But uh, to be honest, like, 
I just don't, I don't like the price points of either of them. And um, I could be talked into both of them at their budget. There's other players I like when, where they're going. So I'm kind yeah, of, I, I've, I, I like AJ Dillon a lot. I just like you, it's, it always seems like it's, it's a wide receiver run and it's something you should dive into in that fifth round range. So that's where the um, drop. Uh, if I started out, you know, with a tight end and, and straight up wide receivers and I was trying to catch up, um, in a you know kind of an upside down build, I could see myself taking Dylan. Yeah, I think sure. what's interesting is I think you have a great point on like we want him to be in that Kamara role. We hear whispers at camp like they think he's going to take a step forward in the passing game, but like you said, the guy's twenty seven, going to be twenty eight years old. He's never had more than sixty eight targets, and I think last year we saw Dylan. Dylan was very efficient as a receiver. Um, and Jones had like six, I might be wrong on that, but six touchdown catches somewhere in that range. So it's like Jones was propped up by his touchdown catches, not his overall catches. So I don't know. It's I'll take the cheaper, younger back in that situation. Um, yeah, it's hard for me to see myself taking Aaron Jones in the second round, um, over some of the players we've mentioned. Um, how about the, uh, the, the real fun one to talk about, uh, Zeke Elliott, um, now dead zone Zeke Elliott, where he should be, and Tony Pollard, who's crept into like the the back end of the dead zone. Sometimes you get him in the seventh round. Um, it's interesting. They're 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 close, um, and I think that you can kind of have a conversation. Um, I'm Team Pollard. I'm interested to see what what you have to say. Yeah, I'm I'm always Team Pollard, but like fantasy has not been like as fun recently because you used to get these guys like AJ Dillon and Tony Pollard in like the eighth, ninth, tenth round. So it's like it, you're not debate. You used to like be done drafting your wide receivers, and then you could easily pivot there. And now it's like okay, now am I taking Pollard over like Kadarius Tony or like you know somebody yeah. else, maybe like a Brandon Ayuk or, or somebody um like at least somewhat in that range and I think that's where it gets tough where I just don't know if I'm drafting a ton of Pollard but I do the thing is like gosh um I don't think Zeke is good but I think there's a lot of like there's a lot of context there where you know he did have an injury played through it I mean if he freaking played through a PCL injury like some running backs um just like play through injuries and they play games and <laughs> it just looks like Zeke is one of those guys to where it's really hard to keep him off the field unless there's like a serious injury, um, which I think weirdly is a skill. So uh, from that standpoint, never, misses, never misses games. Yeah. Which from a, from a weird standpoint, like makes it tough to see how Tony Pollard gets that upside without like, I mean, I, th- I, th- I think I think I think the legitimate scenario, right, is is a. Last year, we saw Zeke not be good. I think I think in a vacuum, Tony Pollard is better than Zeke. The thing is, Zeke, the Cowboys are run different than a lot of other franchises. They're about branding. They're about you know appeasing to the fans, and uh, sometimes that's not essentially making optimal decisions. Zeke is a main major part of who the Cowboys are. And unfortunately, as lo- as long as Zeke is there, like Pollard is only going to get certain amount of run. Like, like I, I just, I, it's really hard for me to see a scenario in which they're just benching Zeke for Pollard. So the question is, when Zeke is there, does Pollard have enough standalone value to warrant uh, drafting? And I think there is a case that yes, because you know, especially with Gallup gone. They got Tolbert there. I don't, I don't know the other receivers. Noah Brown, maybe um, Dalton Schultz is probably actually their second receiver. So like you can make a case that okay, like maybe Pollard's like getting some of the receiving work. They're they're utilizing him um, while Zeke's on the field, um, throwing him in the slot a little bit, finding unique ways to get him. Which I think like is a fun case for that. But I'm not drafting a guy like that in the seventh round. Now look, if anything happens to Zeke, like Pollard is probably like a top five running back in fantasy. So there's there's obviously if that. Zeke goes down if Zeke goes down tomorrow. Yeah, you're taking Tony Pollard like first six overall. Yeah, he's going first round for sure. So, I mean that that's why I've always drafted Pollard, and I've always been a big fan of it. And I'm not gonna like suddenly like stop drafting if there's a wide receiver run that's gone. Like, cool, like I'll pay an extra you know round or two price tag than I did last year. But um, yeah, I, th- I think I think I think Pollard is the better player. It just like the the question is is like 
dude, I've, I, I've been on the Tony Pollard train every single year and it is mentally exhausting. It is literally mentally exhausting. Like knowing that like, yo, like this guy is better. He should be on the field. He should be utilized in all these different ways and it just doesn't happen. And it's frustrating. And maybe that's part of the reason why I'm like so hesitant this year to do it. But like, no, like I, I, I definitely want Pollard for Zeke. I'll never, I'll never step off that train. You're not getting me off that train right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I do think that there's like Pollard has a lot of outs this year. And I think yeah. that he's improved every year as a pro. So I don't, I haven't gotten him in the seventh, um, but I wouldn't mind him there. Occasionally you see him go at the end of the sixth. Like yeah. I think a lot of these hero builds kind of lend themselves to a Pollard, and then you could follow up with one of these guys who's going to get guaranteed volume. Yeah. I think that it's it's very hard for, for me to see the Cowboys offense being as good as they have been um, unless Pollard is utilized because they just yeah. don't, like you said, they don't have the weapons. So that's a very interesting one. But we're 30 minutes in. And I have you on here to get your guys for the season. Um, your guy, you know, it's kind of like a very on-brand uh, player for you at this point. But you have a deep love of Kyle Pitts. Yeah, you've talked him up as a dynasty asset. Um, you've talked him up as a redraft uh, asset. How are you viewing him this year? Um, where are you selecting him? Well, we kind of touched on that. But maybe you could kind of go ahead and, and remind everybody where you would take him um, in the FFPC in a main event, where you'd feel comfortable just firing him off the board. How 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 hot takey are we trying to get right now? Dalton, I'm trying to keep it real with you. So as real as you want to get. I mentioned it like, yeah, once uh, yeah, once once this top six players are gone, once once the top three wide receivers, once Kelsey's gone, once JT, once McCaffrey's gone, he's in that conversation, man. <laughs> he's in that conversation as seventh overall, um, especially in FFPC. And, like, it's so freaking crazy to see where he goes based on that. Now, do I have to take him there? No, I don't have to take him there. But he's, he's, he's probably, like, the most mispriced uh fantasy asset that I can remember since I've started playing seriously over the past like few years. And I don't know if we're gonna get one again. I don't I don't understand why it's happening. He's being priced as a wide receiver when he's a tight end. Um I, I just I don't get it man. Um I think I think this year he's a chance to be the most valuable fantasy asset. Um I, I don't I don't think it's a stretch to say that tight ends if you have an elite tight end, it's such a massive advantage. And like, he has a chance to freaking like, he has a legitimate chance to like break the receiving record for yards in a season by a tight end. Like he's that good. And I think, I think people are downgrading the situation too much, but the fact that they got Drake London is actually a good thing. So, um, dude, dude, he, he just, he's just a no brainer pick in, in, I mean, where's he going right now? Mid, mid second round. Yeah, of- I think you'll see you. You occasionally see him go at, like you said, at the one-two turn in the yeah. FFPC, but you'll see him fall down to like the two twelve, two eleven ish. So I don't think you'll see hit too many two eleven, two twelves after the last night. It's like literally one play in the preseason, and it's like people are now starting to lose their minds over it. But um, I'm with you. I think that he's like a transcendent talent. Yeah. Um, I've been sending Mark Andrews plus offers on in some dynasty leagues for him and nobody's, nobody's biting. Like um, I think that people kind of get what he is. Um, and I agree with you. I think having another, you know, potentially, I think London's going to be a very good pro. And I think having somebody to kind of take the pressure off of him is going to help a lot because, you know, last year we had super high expectations for him. Um, and I think defenses were able to kind of key on him. You yeah. saw like the low touchdown rate, um, you know, with a healthy London. Again, it's not an offense that's going to score a ton of touchdowns, but I think they could be efficient in the red zone with those two big bodies. And Cordero's a pretty efficient guy in the red zone as well. So they could be a decent red zone offense. Um, and I think having London out there is going to help them a lot. Now, we get where you're at on him in tight end premium, but a lot of people listening in, the chat is super lit today. Uh, shout out to Joe Saviano, famous Jay Wheeler. Uh, JD's watching. Um, we have Snoozy. We have um, 
We have uh, a couple somebody else. Willis is awesome, but we are it's it's very very good today, guys. And we're going to be doing a couple of these daytime shows tomorrow. Dan Williamson has Scott Pianowski, so we're doing these press coverages a little more often now. But some of our listeners are not FFPC players. They the we have a lot of NFFC, which is start three wide receivers and one flex, yeah, single PPR. Then we also have a lot of um, FFWC listeners. Um, who where it's a three wide receiver start plus two flexes, um, mm-hmm. very wide receiver heavy, both those formats. And then we have a lot of people listening who maybe just play in regular PPR home leagues. Where would you target pits in a traditional PPR league like those two high stakes leagues or, or a home league? Um, where would you prioritize drafting him and how high would you push him up? Um. Are we talking like an approach as if I have one draft or am I just like an overall? Let's target? say you have, let's say you have 10 drafts. Okay. Let's say you're um, a medium state, medium, medium volume guy and you've got a number of leagues, but you, you know, are you, are you pushing him up? Okay. So I'll, I'll put you OTC in a regular PPR league in the second round. Are you taking Kyle Pitts or are you taking Tyreek Hill? Oh, Pits, it's that that's different tiers, different tiers. Okay. Um, are you if CD Lamb falls, Kyle are you Pitts. taking CD Kyle Pitts? Yeah, gun to head Kyle Pitts. Okay. Um, who would be a player that you okay? So, how about a DeAndre Swift in the falls to the second round in a regular PPR league and you're staring at him versus Kyle Pitts? Kyle Pitts, <laughs> I'm taking Kyle Pitts. Um, yeah, I, I yeah, Kyle Pitts. I mean, Kyle Pitts, no matter what. Yeah, no, I mean, like, I don't, I don't know how many play. I think Saquon versus Pitts becomes interesting. I think, I think Diggs versus Pitts becomes interesting. I think, I mean, I, dude, I might honestly take Pitts over Adams. Like, maybe not in a two flex or like two flex. I'm definitely probably taking the wide receiver there, but like, Dude, he is like I, I I think the tight end premium like really doesn't like matter like matter too much to be honest like on based on how how I'm viewing him, um it's not like he's he's going to get a ton of receptions he's not like Deontay Johnson or Keenan Allen getting like hundred and something receptions for not a lot of yards no it's gonna be it's gonna be flipped like he's probably getting like eighty for like twelve hundred fifty yards like kind of thing so an extra forty points cool that's great but like. At the end of the day, like that matters, but not substantial enough to like suddenly just move him down the board a ton. So do everything you can to get as many Bitcoin shares oh, as you yeah. can, guys. Even, even with this price, he's, he's, it's still not going to be high enough. Like that's the thing is. Is there a scenario where he's the number one pick in FFPC redraft leagues next year? Um, can he jump Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, you know, Jonathan Taylor? A CMC, if he has a 25-point-a-game season, um, like if, if Kyle Pitts is tight end one overall this year and gets like 140 targets as a 22-year-old um, and we see potentially a quarterback upgrade next year in Atlanta, could you see people talking themselves into him at the one-on-one in FFPC? Um, yes and no. Yes and no. You you kind of stumped me on this, and I, th- I think it's really interesting. I think – where the conversation where Kyle Pitts comes into the the question at 101 is when he for sure has a good quarterback like there. So in a scenario um, in which Kyle Pitts smashes, which assuming he stays healthy, he's very likely to do. um, And they get like some sort of like veteran elite quarterback on the market that they trade for then yes. But I think it's likely that we're going to run into this scenario next year where they get like a Bryce Young or a C.J. Stroud. Like their win total is the second lowest in the entire – I mean, they're tied with the Texans right now for the lowest win total right now. So it's very likely they're going to have a high pick, and they're probably going to get a pretty good quarterback prospect. But again, like rookie quarterbacks don't do well off the bat. So when when people are drafting, I think, I think people take into situation – consideration situation a ton when it comes to drafting – and I think that's going to be the main thing keeping Pitts from being the one-on-one. But at 2024, that's when Kyle Pitts will be the one-on-one because Bryce Young, let's say Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud has a good rookie year, assuming that's what happens. Um, 
and like, yo, like, dude, if Pitts has a freaking good quarterback next to him, like, what, what is holding him back from doing that? He should just be like younger Travis Kelsey, and Travis Kelsey went in like top three last year. He was like 32 years old. I don't know. I don't know. Like, it, it, yeah, he does have a chance for it. It's just like there has to be like very specific scenarios in which he's in that conversation. Um, I still might take him one on one next year, depending on what happens. But I don't know what the rest of the people will. <laughs> Where are you going? Let's say you don't get a Kyle Pitts, um, you don't get a Kelsey, you don't get a Man Ruse. Um, you mentioned you like Darren Waller. Yeah. Where would you go? Where would be like the rest of your tight end plan? Let's yeah. say you miss on Waller. Is there any tight end maybe outside of tight end, you know, start getting to tight end like five and below? Um, who are your favorite players to target? Um, you know, I literally do this every year. Um, when it comes to my drafts is I do not by any means allow myself to walk out of drafts without the top 10. And like last year I had like 95% exposure to – uh, Kelsey Waller and who else was the top? Kelsey Waller. I basically am like walking. I I, I, just, I don't. Like, I wish I could tell you like who are some of the tight end targets that I like this year. But like I the the thing is like I do not put myself in a position in which to draft one of those because I understand how important and how much of a positional advantage those guys can have. So I think Kittle's the drop off. So after Kittle. Um, and I think that I think there's major questions with Kittle just because Trey Lance is just such a massive question mark. They're probably going to run a lot. Um, volume is an issue there, but again, he has the talent profile in which like can give you that upside. Waller is going to be likely in a pass-heavy offense um, with some good receivers alongside of him, which may limit his target volume, but like should be efficient because of that. I mean, I think we got five guys this year. I would really hone in on Kelsey Pitts. I think those are the two guys at value at cost right now that I'm just hammering. And like, if I have a, if I have a late first in a non-signing premium, taking Kelsey, if I have anything else, I'm just taking pits. Um, so, that, I mean, that, I, I, that that's really, that's really how I approach it. I, I just cannot leave my draft without a top tight end because it's just such a massive advantage when it comes to drafting. So um, I just try to having that huge difference maker certainly makes um, yeah. a big difference for you. Um, Wide receiver, um, who are your favorite wide receiver targets right now? And and talk about your love of Elijah Moore. Oh yeah, yeah, you know Elijah Moore, uh, he's gonna smash. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, it's always it's always a second it's always a second year wide receivers, and he's he's going too late right now. I think again, there's a lot of uncertainty with the Jets' offense, and that makes him a value, but. Dude, he's just, like, so freaking good. Like, I mean, come on. Like, this man can, you know, utilize all around the field, can, you know, do can, – can run deep, intermediate, like, short, good after the catch. Like, he has a chance to be, like, this, like, decades Antonio Brown. Um, I, I don't know if that's going to happen, but, like, that's type the type of player that he has the potential to be. Everything out of training camp was amazing. As, like, if he did not get hurt at the end of last year and missed those last, like, four or five games that he missed, like, dude, he was on fire. It was, like, a top, like, what, it was, it was wide receiver two? Yeah, and, like, it was for, like, a four-week like, four stretch. He absolutely lit the world on fire, and uh, then he got the unfortunate injury. Exactly. Um, so, I love like, him. There, I, there, I, there is a chance that if he finished the season, like, obviously Jamar Chase would have been a top rookie, but, like, um, that if Elijah Moore continued on that pace the rest of the year – and mind you, this is with like knocking quarterback. So I, I think I think the quarterback argument might not really matter because he had bad quarterback play and he was still producing to this level. Um, yeah, I mean, he has a chance to just absolutely just smash, like like just smash. Like I, I'm talking like hundred yards, like or hundred receptions, like 13, 1400 yards. Like I don't know if the touchdowns are going to be there just because of the offense, but like like he's going to be target hog um like uh, their offense is going to run through elijah moore and he's going he's going way too late right now um i think there's a conversation between him and waddle um there and i think the fact that he didn't finish out the end of last year creates that discount whereas like if you can just like we don't have the full data set on elijah moore from last year but if you can kind of just like tell yourself a story of like this is likely what would have happened um had he stayed healthy like then you're like okay cool let's just push the chips in on elijah moore and, and 
and see what happens. So Kim, the, the I'm doing a splitting a draft right now with um the guilds and uh Andrew Schellenberg, yeah. um two really good FFPC players. Um we got Elijah Moore at the 511. I've taken Elijah Moore so so often uh this offseason. Uh it's crazy. But I'm with you. I think he's a stud. Um and I think he's he's got like a nice price. I think there's certain people who still don't want jets. And I think yeah. also the Garrett Wilson draft pick like put like took a like a little bit off of him, but he's so far ahead of Wilson right now um in terms of like the Jets hierarchy that I, I that doesn't really worry me. And I think that they can both coexist. I think they can both win in different ways. So I, I love him. Any other wide receivers you're maybe more bullish on than the fantasy community as a whole? I mean it's all second year guys. So I, I love Bateman. Bateman. I think Bateman's a, like a stud. His rookie year is like so like hit or miss. It's really it's really hard. It's really hard to get a grasp on who he is um, based on his rookie season, but he was, he was an amazing prospect. Um, they trade away Marquise Brown and they didn't really add any other talent there, which I think just shows the confidence um, that they have in Bateman. Uh, the biggest issue with Bateman, I think is volume, but again, like Marquise Brown, I think he had like 140 targets. 26%, 26% target share for Hollywood. Yeah. I think that Bateman could literally just step into that with potential, like, and I love Hollywood Brown. I think he's a very good player. So but- good, man. He is so good. And um, like he reminded me coming out of like like Stefan Diggs. I think he has a lot of Justin Jefferson to his game too. Um, like I don't know if he's – I mean, dude, ba- Bateman ba- – the thing is like you just want to bet on really good players yeah. in the second year. Like that's literally it. Like, yo, Rashad Bateman is a freaking good wide receiver. Like draft Rashad Bateman. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's just simple as that. Like some, like a lot of times, like it's, it, you're trying to like create like specific analysis of like, okay, like we know like this offense does this and whatnot, but like at the end of the day, like we know guys in their second year, like they, te- that's when the leaps happen. They tend to be leaps. He was an early to clear great prospect. Um, he like checked like basically all the boxes coming out. He was injured for part of his like rookie year. So he didn't necessarily get like to see, go through training camp. And so he kind of started behind the eight ball, but he, even like in his first four games, like he was getting targeted right off the bat. So like his snap share didn't really hit until the end of the season. Like, look, he's going to be the full-time starter there. They believe in him. They've been talking him up. Like, yes, no, Rashad Bateman is a hundred percent a guy who be drafting everywhere. Like if I can just, if I can just double tap Elijah Moore, like even if I, have the, if I have the first pick and I'm at the four or five turn, like Elijah Moore or Bateman, like I know they're going ahead. Of, that's ahead of AP, but like, I don't care. Like they're still underpriced in my opinion at those spots. And like, if, if there's guys making the leap and those guys that really, you know, take, take that leap and take that next step, like it's going to be those type of guys. So, so like you dive, guys, into, you dive yeah. into the unknown upside. Yeah. Like, like that's, that's how you, so, you know, that's, you talk about building like a, a build that your opponents can't, compete against it's when yeah. you ha- have guys absolutely crushing their adp so um it might be uncomfortable to take to take guys before you've seen it but i think mm-hmm. that's exactly the right approach with with maximizing that sort of a build um i have a lot of both of those guys i'm glad you're on them um yeah. anybody else that's a, a second year guy that might be a little under the radar like do you have a favorite of like the nico collins the rondell moores like is there anybody that's real under the radar right now that you think could um, could end up beating their ADP considerably. Um, it could be no one too, Dalton. I'm not trying to force that. Yeah. One. Um, a second year guy specifically, or anybody uh, that you think is just very mispriced right now. Julio Jones. Julio Jones. Julio. Who is very mispriced? Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm I'm actually like writing an article on him today. Um, putting it up, but basically, like, he was so historically good, and those guys tend tend to you know age pretty well. Um, a lot of the biggest concern when it comes to Julio Jones is his injury history, which like is fair, but like there's like he's also a 10th round pick. Like, like, yes, of course there's risk, but like, what about the upside? This guy just got signed to the best situation he's ever been his entire career. Like Chris, like Mike Evans only saw like, what was it? Like a 17% target share last year. Russell Gage, like, I maybe he's he's something and he gets involved in the offense. Cool, great, but like we have not seen that breakout from Russell Gage. I would bet right now Julio Jones is a better player than Russell Gage. Chris Collins coming off the ACL, so like there's legitimate opportunity for Julio Jones. We look at 2020 when like he started having those hamstring injuries. Like 
He's still like 2.6 yards per route run. Like he was still like elite in that category. He's six in the NFL in yards per game. And then it's like, okay. And then he goes to the Titans, which is like a terrible situation for him. But even then, like if you include the postseason, like his 11 games he played, like 1.91 yards per route run, which is literally like right on par with like Stefan Diggs and like DJ Moore. And like, so it's like, okay, he wasn't getting the volume that we'd hope, but it's also a, a run first team. Like it's a total new situation for him. Um, in which I don't think was ideal to skill set. And now he's going to uh, the Buccaneers. Like if you look at Brandon Marshall's career, Brandon Marshall had like almost a similar career arc in which like he was so good, had a couple down years. Then he just like bounced. Like, he just bounced back to like who he was. So like, it's literally not out of the question that like Julio Jones has a Julio Jones level season this year. And like, I get all the concerns, like hamstring injuries are concerning, especially when you have it two years in a row. It's one of those things that tends to leave but like, like the upside there, like we saw, we saw Antonio Brown go out of the league for two years, bounce back, and just immediately start smashing with Tom Brady there. So like, I, I, yeah, I, I love Julio Jones. I don't understand his price right now. Um, he's just historically great wide receiver, and, and I want to bet that a historically great wide receiver can bounce back. And when he's like shown that he's still been good when given volume over the past couple of years. And I think I think one I think that's a great point. And I think we Curtis Patrick had the same point you did about how we saw Larry Fitzgerald. Yep. Um, have have some down downward track and then saw QB upgrade and immediately started producing. Yep. I think what's interesting about Julio is if you look at the end of the year stats, um, it might not be there, but even mm-hmm. if Julio plays like 10 games, yeah. you're starting him potentially in the games he's playing. Cause yep. like you said, yep. Godwin's banged up gauge is banged up. He could be a top two target on the bucks every week he plays yep. with, um, you know, obviously a quarterback who knows what he's doing in the red zone. So I, I think that uh, Julio could have a bounce back. I like that. We're, we're running pretty tight on time here. I want to quickly get your running back targets yeah. and your quarterback targets. And then we, I want to talk a little bit about stealing lines. Cool. Let's do it. Uh, my running you back. Barkley, you talked about Barkley. You love Barkley. Anybody love besides uh, Barkley and Javante and. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm really like, I'm probably going to do a lot of zero RB this year just because of how little I like a lot of the running backs, Um, especially like as it gets down the board. And weirdly enough, I think some of the running backs I'm probably going to be drafting a lot of are going to be like guys like Miles Sanders, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, like Antonio Gibson, guys that almost want to make you like throw up, but they're in a range in which like I'm probably done drafting wide receivers. Like I'm not like extremely thrilled about it, but like, I mean, there's upside opportunities. They're probably going to get, you know, some sort of production. Antonio Gibson could be utilized more as a receiver. Like we saw that in the preseason. So like, I don't know, like uh, I'm, I'm just, those are probably guys I'm going to be getting a ton of the guys that I really like is like Rashad white. Like I'm like, I'm so convicted on him. Like I legitimately think he's going to be the next like Alan Kamara. So if anything happens to, um, if anything happens to Leonard Fournette, like, Tom Brady loves check. Like I legitimately, if you told me right now Leonard Fournette was not going to play this entire season, um, I I would. He's Rashad White's going the same same range Fournette's going. If if uh, I would I would draft Rashad White over Grease Hall. Um, like that's like it, it seems crazy, but like that's how convicted I am, especially in PPR leagues. Like he's going to fit that role. Like he's looked great. Like yeah, he's he's already got the second like running back job. Like. He, he's really checking a lot of the boxes that, that we're looking for so far from a third round rookie. Um, so like, yeah, like thousand percent, like you're chasing the upside 10th, 11th, 12th round. He's there. Like, yeah, no, he's a priority target for me on every single one of my leagues, whether he hits this year or not remains to be seen But in a scenario in which he does see the field and start producing. Like I can totally see him just absolutely crushing. Um, so he's one I really like. Um, Later on, guys, Eno Benjamin, like, he doesn't have the upside that, like, Rashad has, but, um, and, like, I, 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 I nail this, I just, like, nail Eno Benjamin every single year, just, I just want to just draft him every single time, because his profile is really good, three-down profile is good at production college, like, the fact that he's already through two years, he's only 23 years old, um, and he's essentially earned himself that RB2 role, um, especially over, like, looks like it's going to be over Derrick Williams. Like, it's a good offense to be in. Um, so if anything happens to Connor, he can be productive. He might have some standalone value, get some carries there. Now he doesn't have, like, the lead athleticism or anything that's going to make him an RB1. But, like, why – what's what's the difference between, like, him and, like, Clyde Everett's Slayer? Like, Devin, like, what's the difference between, like, Eno Benjamin and Devin Singletary if Eno Benjamin's playing? Like, I, I don't know if there is a difference. 
Um, Eno, could, we, Eno could just step into the Chase Edmonds role. Yeah, like, exactly. You know, exactly. And, and, you know, Connor, like, I think that that's the thing that, that, you know, you see Edmonds leave and I think people expect more for Connor. Like, I don't think there's going to be more volume for Connor. If anything, I think that, like, mm. I like your call on Eno. Um, there's some sharp people on Eno. I'm glad to see you're on him. And a reminder that Dalton is in the state of Arizona. So when he talks about these Arizona State backs, you got you got to – Got to make, got to listen up a little bit. Yeah, I did, I did just put two Arizona State guys out there, but, but it's 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 fun. It's fun. You're you're repping you're repping the hometown, and uh, you I know those guys. So so keep that in mind, guys. Um, uh, you know who else I really like, and is is ADP's gotten pushed up recently? Is Michael Carter? I, I mean, like I this this is probably a hot take. Um, I would not be surprised that Michael Carter outscores Brees Hall in fantasy football this year. Um, I don't know if it's going to happen, but like we know rookie running backs, especially, especially second round running backs. Like if you're a first round running back, you're probably going to start day one. You're going to get the workers throw. But like we like, Theo, we saw it with Jonathan Taylor as a rookie, like how frustrating was Jonathan Taylor had three games over 60% of snaps as a rookie, Jonathan Taylor. And he was dealing with Naheem Hines. I think Michael Carter is a better version of Naheem Hines. Um, we saw Javante Williams last year. Uh, yeah, exactly. The player exactly. and Melvin Gordon, you know, uh, was a thorn in his side fantasy wise. Exactly. So it's one of those things where, like, he's Michael Carter was great as a rookie. He was great as a rookie. He was a great fantasy asset, like, when he was on the field. Um, I, I don't know if, if, yeah, I know it, it's, it's a, it's a, put a, percent, put a percent on it. Uh, I would say 65% Brees Hall outscores uh, Michael Carter. So I'd say there's like a third, sh- like a, two, two th- a third of a chance that Michael Carter outscores him this year. Um, and it's not because I think Michael Carter is better than Brees Hall. Brees Hall is definitely like a workhorse running back. And I think once Brees Hall like gets in there, starts performing, he's going to do well. But like, I mean, Michael Carter is also a really good player. And I think Michael Carter's good enough of a player to not just suddenly get relegated and not have a role. And I think that that's the biggest thing. Like, like the way that Naheem Hines still like had a role, even at the beginning of last year, you might still had a role at the beginning of last year. Like, I think it's the same way with Carter where like, he's go, he's going to be involved. No matter how good Brees Hall is, he's going to be involved in some way, shape or form. And that, that's the thing is my Carter might be too good where it might take longer for Brees Hall to, to start getting the reins in that backfield. Mm-hmm. Um, give me your top quarterback target or two. Uh, Jalen Hurts and Trey Lance, but that's like so. That's so like. I'm, I'm sticking to the Twitter brand right now, but like, I mean, I mean, come on. I'll I'll give you a phone. I'll give you a phone. Marcus Mariota. Marcus Mariota. Now you're going down there, but I mean, you've got to like the rushing upside. I've seen some people on that. It's just so you just feel gross. But I guess more of like a super flex type league. Yeah. You could you could you could push quarterback two down. And Mariota, it's it's funny because I think he'll be okay fantasy wise, but he still could get replaced um, by by Ritter. That's that would be the only kind of trepidation of 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 leaning on him as my QB two. I could see them going with Ritter, even if like Mariota's putting up nice stat lines. But I like that. I like that bold call. Um, I want to get your your uh, to talk a little bit about stealing lines. Yeah, we've had Ben Gretsch on the Goat District. Super sharp guy. Stealing Bananas is fantastic podcast. Um, talk to me about stealing lines and what, what it's going to be, um, your role in it, um, and maybe give us a couple of prop bets you like. Yeah, so um, to a super exciting project um, Ben and I are working together on. So um, we'll be part of stealing signals, like attached no, to this is one thing. Ben, ben just likes the stealing aspect. He's got stealing bananas and everything, and we thought it'd be a fun way to do it. So, yeah. Awesome. So Ben and I, Ben and I, uh, yeah, own it, uh, stealing lines LLC. So I flew out to Seattle. We kind of, you know, created the business, got it going. Essentially, what it is, it's, it's a betting subscription. Where uh, last year's been a wild ride for me, just in terms of like, I started betting and I just had like a crazy successful year. Got I'll interrupt late. you. You crushed it. NFL draft, give a couple people the props that you hit NFL draft props because you absolutely smoked the NFL draft. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. That was crazy. That was that was one of the craziest nights of my life. Um, I was out in Vegas for that, so it was it was fun. Um 
I hit I hit a forty to one exacto of Trayvon Walker, Aiden Hutchinson, Derek Stanley to go one two three. Uh, I hit Quay Walker twenty seven to one to be the first linebacker. Um, I hit Derek Stingley like twenty to one to go top five. I hit I hit like one of my biggest bets was Jamison Williams under sixteen and a half. Bet a lot on. Trayvon and like Aiden Hutchinson and not go first overall. And I don't, there, there, there was, I off the top of my head, um, there, there was, there was, it was just one of those nights. And, and you, you did it with, you did it with receipts. A lot of these people, yeah. you know, a lot of people will like Dalton has the receipts. So the people want your picks. How do they go about getting um, a stealing, a stealing line subscription? Yeah. So you go, go to my bio on Twitter at Dalton underscore Kate's. And then on the bio there, it'll be uh Stealing line Substack, so you click on that, um, and then you can get subscription. So we do monthly, we do yearly. Uh, what we're going to be doing is I'm going to be focused um, mostly on like weekly specials, weekly props. So okay, like Clyde Edwards Lair line drops at like 50 rushing yards, cool. Hitting over and under, we're not playing it, cool. So that's that's kind of my thing. Ben's focusing more on he's doing some of that, but he's more focused on like, okay, he's had success over the past couple of years um, betting like game totals and getting them before like lines move and focusing on like over unders and like some really deep analysis on that. And if anybody here is familiar with stealing signals, they know just how in depth Ben goes on everything and just like stealing how signals is worth stealing signals is absolutely worth subscribing yeah. to. It's it's like nothing else in the fantasy uh, realm. We've had when Ben came on the district, we talked about it. It's without a doubt the best like thing popping into your email if you're if you're uh, if you're playing fantasy football, you should consider getting it. So, yeah, he's he's a, he's sharp. He's the sharpest shit on, yeah. on a lot of, on a lot of things. Hundred percent. And I think I think what makes like what makes like us unique is the fact that like I I I just I do so many like random like i wouldn't say like random just like so like off the cusp like niche bets like i'm i'm focusing on like who's gonna have the most like rushing yards for the week and like just like finding like the craziest bets of, like like that like the sports books like aren't paying attention to it's like one of one of the biggest bets like we had for like a couple weeks ago was like jamar chase to have a 200 yard game during the season it was like six to one or something so we hit that and then we hit justin jefferson like plus 550 so it's like these very niche like player take based bets in which like you can actually capitalize and profit and make money off of because a like we like if if you play fantasy in any way shape or form and you understand like some of the nuances to betting like you could literally just go to sports books and just be able to like pick off some of these things because it's the same way like you're drafting and you're able to like okay well i know like elijah moore's value i know kyle pitts's value it's the same like thing that we're doing there so um yeah, so I mean that, that that's where you can find it. We have yearly, monthly subscription gonna be going throughout the season, um, doing that. And I mean, just, I mean it's it's super exciting to to kind of be able to do that and just help help people, you know, make some money while watching. Uh, I was I was I was happy to see you guys collab on that because I think you're both really good guys, and I think that you're also both very sharp. So I I I'm I'm looking forward to seeing like how this this proceeds, and I think it's gonna be uh, uh I think it's gonna be awesome. Um, I think there's a lot of people who play high stakes fantasy also bet. Um, I think there's people that play regular fantasy that also bet. I think they kind of um, co-merge and I think it kind of being, being seeing where the sharp prop bets are going can also help you with your start sit decisions. So um, we know where to find it. Give us a free one or two that people can make some money off right now, Dalton. Yeah. So a lot, a lot of my ones that I'm doing right now are just like some of the sickest, like long shots. Um, but one thing I really like right now is <laughs> I bet this yesterday was uh, it's Elijah Moore eighty to one the league lead in receptions. Um, I, I think he has a chance to be a target hog there. Um, get utilized in all different phases of the game. He had a twenty. Is it eighty to one most most books or is it? Uh, it's not MGM. So MGM is eighty to one. The rest of the books are like fifty to one. Um, we're doing that. Um, so, so the biggest issue of giving something out right now is a lot of times, like when like it's bad, like the lines tend to move. Um, Ben did this morning, um, did some Kansas city chiefs overs. Uh, so he likes the over 10 and a half and I, I like it too. Um, I mean, every single year Mahomes has started, they've won 12 or more games. I know they have a tough schedule this year, but I think people are just like downgrading the fact that, you know, they don't have Tyree kill and they have a tough schedule, but it's like, 
it's still Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, and they're still going to be good. So um, Ben threw up the fact that a plus so plus one seventy five. Uh, what book was that? Plus one seventy five on DraftKings, I believe, to win the division. Um, over ten and a half on FanDuel, MGM, Caesars minus one fifteen, and then you also hit some alt lines on FanDuel plus two eighty to win over twelve and a half, um, plus five hundred over thirteen and a half wins. So like process behind that is just like a like it's just Patrick Mahomes. Like you don't think he can win 11 games. I know it's a tough division, but like a, if the defense like steps up in any way, shape or form, like George Koloftis is like, looks pretty good. Like he might actually be like a pretty key factor um, to help in that pass rush there that, that there's a lot of outs in which the chiefs are just like still elite. And it's it, it, a lot of times it's just probably a smart idea just to bet on the best quarterback in, in football right now so <laughs> we, we love it so so it shop around everybody try to get an elijah moore to lead the league in receptions line trying to get it as as high as possible dalton's recommending it at 80 to 1 so somewhere around there and try to get a kansas city over 10 and a half wins um somewhere north of plus 160 dalton you'd say is a good is a good number um yeah i would say yeah yeah, plus 160. If you have DraftKings, they have a plus 175. I think most places are going to be around there. So, um, yeah, plus 160. I mean, it's still good. I mean, it's the Chiefs. They've won the division for I, – I, it's, it's a tough division now. But, um, but yeah, I mean, still, like, you're, you're, you're getting good odds on it now, whereas last year they were, like, minus, like, 150 to, 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 lead, the, to lead the division. So That's awesome. So we've reached an hour five. Um, this has just been awesome. Dalton, we'd love to have you back on uh, this fall – when we have some actual football, yeah. um, tell everybody where to find you. Yeah. Uh, you can find me on Twitter for the most part at Dalton underscore Cates right now. All you're going to see right now is just me talking about Kyle Pitts. So, and Elijah Moore, I'll, I'll sneak some Elijah Moore in there too, but it's um, a Kyle Pitts fan account, but it yeah. also sometimes has some good Elijah Moore stuff in there. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm still an OG AJ Brown accounts just so we're clear. So that once he balls out, it's, Always back to the roots, but I, I need to let the people know how how underpriced Kyle Pitts is. So I'm shoving it down everybody's throat right now. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that's where you can find me. I'm doing some work at Mojo right now. Um, I'm putting out articles every day, doing some training camp updates. I'll be releasing a Julio Jones update or um, article later today, kind of like breaking down like last couple of years, some co- historical comparables, and like kind of just you know outlining um, for why he could potentially be a bounce back candidate. So hopefully that you know helps change change some minds or different perspectives on that but it's where, it's where you can find me right now nothing too crazy awesome well it's been awesome having you on dalton um i have a draft in about an hour and five minutes so i'm i'm gonna get going and, and i know you got some work to do as well um 100%. dan williamson will be back on tomorrow if you enjoyed seeing me and dalton uh, in press coverage tomorrow it's going to be dan williamson with scott pianowski of yahoo uh and then the whole goat district crew will be back on thursday night where we have one of our um fun uh, annual shows. It's called It's a Trap, where we have Tommy Libretti, an NFFC uh, high-stakes hitter, Noah Riddell, an FFPC high-stakes hitter, and we're going to give our fades at ADP. It's an awesome show. Thanks again to uh, Dalton. Um, I'll see you in Vegas, my man. uh, Thanks for everybody for uh, tuning in. Yeah, Have a good night, everybody. Take care.